The following is an RED Podcast Network production. You can find this and other great RED Podcast Network shows on redpodcastnetwork.com, iTunes, and Stitcher Radio. Better than beer? Can it be? I love that. I love craft beer. Beer. Sparkling. Golden. Pure. A beverage as old as history. I am passionate about craft beer. Craft brewing is innovation, independence, curiosity, collaboration, character, and this is the craft beer devil. Beer snob like a mother. <laughs> everybody and welcome to the first episode of the Irish Beer Snob podcast in 2015. We've decided to shake things up a little bit and I'm actually going to be your host for this evening with my co-host the lovely Mr. Wayne Dunn. It was all an illusion, I was never in charge. <laughs> um, if just if This all came about because we got a lot of feedback, um, well I in particular got feedback saying that people wanted to hear me talk a little bit more and for you to shut up. God, they don't know what they need. they don't know what they want the the public. I don't know. I just I'm just shocked. Yeah, well, let's give the people what they want. Um, so for this um episode, we're going to be talking about quite a few things. Um, we're going to give you a rundown about the um Steve from the Beer O'Clock Show and his visit to Dublin. We um sent out a tweet over the past couple of days asking people to get involved and what they wanted us to cover off in the podcast as well. And then generally just a few, what we've been up to over the past couple of weeks and what we're looking forward to as well. Please tell me I'm able to have a beer while we're Absolutely, of course. There wouldn't be a podcast without drinking beer now, would it? Thank you. Um, we do have three beautiful beers in front of us. Um, the first one that we're going to try is the Irish Blonde by Real Deal. And it's an amber ale. So Wayne, do you want to pour us a glass there? Oh, so I'm the lucky now. Is that what's going on here? <laughs> so firstly, the name, Irish Blonde, it is actually not a blonde ale. It is actually an amber ale. So it's a good play on play on words by Marcus up in Real Deal, who um, is a Yorkshire man who's located out to, to Mayo. Um, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to drinking this. I, I've ha- I only had it recently for the first time, but it's the first time I've had it in bottles. And I figured that we might... Might as well talk about three three beers. We we, we know we like two of them, um, and, and you know we'll kind of see on the third one. So we're going to talk about beer o'clock show, Steve. Being yeah, over. yeah, that was um that was great actually. It was very exciting. We met him on the Friday evening, and I met you guys when I finished work. And by the time I got to you, you were in the Porter House at that time. No, no, sorry, you were in the Norseman. Yeah, we'd we'd gone into Norseman at probably. The busiest night of the year for that pub, the, we, I totally forgot the Temple Bar Track Fest was on. Yeah. Um, Paddy Casey, for any any people who know, uh, an Irish musician was playing a free gig there, so it was absolutely up to the rafters, but Barry was able to spot us coming in and he sorted us out with a pint quick sharp. Uh, we didn't stop around too long though, because I suppose we had a table booked down in our beloved Brewdock. Where we actually got to meet a few other people who joined us along the way, like um, John the Beer Nut. And I think that's all that was there when I before I left. Yeah, Brian Condren popped in, and we also had um, Mark, who's oblivious on Twitter as well, and we had a good old few drinks. And so it was a pretty easy easy night. We wanted to, we didn't want to be too what hungover for the next day on our thirteen stops that we had planned. Well, anyone who's listened to the latest episode of the Beer O'Clock Show podcast will know that Steve was out of the traps like a like a, a greyhound. 
He was out of the traps, gone. He, he said he sunk that first pint in Porterhouse off the plane in 30 seconds, I reckon less than two mouthfuls, straight down. And, you know, he got a long day travelling and everything like that, but it was kind of, yeah, take it easy before the next night which, or the next day, which was our, our crawl of doom around Dublin. Yes, and on to the main event, we actually started out in uh, Weatherspoons, the Treaton Tavern. Uh, we had breakfast there and our first pint of the day. Yeah. Um, and on to that, where dark the dark horse. horse. Yeah, then the darts back into town. We went up to Alfie Burns against the grain. I think we went from against the grain then down to P Max. P Max, and, and then into Cassidy's. We stopped in part of our central before Cassidy's. Ah, oh, yes, to 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 feed ourselves. Yeah, stop six feed. So good. Halfway point. Then we made our way down to the Norseman. Um, from the Norseman, we went over to Cassidy's, and we did Sweetman's also. Yeah, and then we did no, we did Sweetman's, we... Norseman, Beer House, and then Brewdog. And then Brewdog. We finished up the last two of the night, uh, hardened alcoholics that we are. Uh, finished up in Brewdog at the end of the evening. But why was Steve over, Janice? Well, of course, he was actually doing his. Um, it was a research trip that he was doing for their... Dr. Evil quote, <laughs> That he was actually doing for their own podcast, um, that they are going to be doing a series of episodes re- dedicated to Irish craft beer. Yeah, season six is going to feature um, six Irish beers that myself and the 11pm Somewhere podcast picked. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be good. We recorded the first episode, and the first episode went out there on Friday. So, obviously, give them a download. It's a really good podcast. They've always got a great variety of guests on, not just us, but other people as well. Um, it, was great to, it was great to be involved in as well. It was very exciting for me anyway, since yeah. I haven't been doing this for very long. Yeah, and we're delighted to be involved with The Beer O'Clock Show. It's one of my favourite podcasts. has been before I actually got to meet Steve for the first time in Brewdog in, Brewdog in August last year. Um, and it's great to be able to speak and talk about Irish beers, but we've also got a deal with Drinkstore that can, they've put a box together so anyone who listens to the podcast over here can obviously get the six beers that are going to be featured, and the Beer O'Clock box, we call it, and drinkstore.ie have that on their web store. Um, so hopefully you'll all be able to drink along with us while we're doing it. Yeah, so keep your ears out, we'll be on, well, there'll be Irish beers featured again now in a couple of weeks, but the first episode was Galway Bay's Foma Fury, um, legendary beer in, in Irish circles now at this stage and there's really good talk about the beer scene and, and Steve's observations of the scene over here um, while while he was over in Ireland for that short visit so what do you think of the beer? I think this is actually my first time trying it I don't think I've actually had this um, Irish blonde before I think I had it that night in 57 the headline I think I had a half of it um, on keg, oh. and I actually quite enjoyed it. Okay. Um, it's it, it's a, it's a nice amber ale. It's got a <clears throat> punchy bitterness to it, quite citrusy. I meant to ask Marcus what kind of hops were in there, because um, actually I don't think it says it on the bottle. No. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's really clever. You know, you play on words, Irish blonde, and it's actually an amber ale. Because I'm guessing some people probably would buy it on the base of the name and on the side of the bottle. If you want trouble, find yourself a redhead. Well, that says it all, really, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, Marcus has been a long time 
um, around. He's obviously he's he's finally got his brewery in Cross Malign up up and running now, and we're beginning to see beers. In fact, we have a bottle of his next beer, Jack the Lad, um, in as well to be looked at, uh, looked at, to be savoured another day. Um, I suppose like Steve coming over was great. Great to spend time with Steve. Lovely ge- gentleman of a fella. Pity Mark wasn't able to make it this time. But, but he'll be here the next He'll be here time. the next time. And we're hoping to go back over to London now, hopefully in June, maybe. And who knows, Ooh. maybe they might join us on our podcast and yeah. talk about something different. Except I'm so technologically rubbish that there's no way I could do as good a job as Mark. Oh, well, it's Sherlock. If the four of us are sat around the dinner table doing what we're doing right now, it'll be a laugh. Well, that's it. That's it. So, what are we? What else are we kind of talking about today? Because obviously, you're in charge. Um, well, on to maybe we'll go on to the questions that we have been asked um, and discuss those and see what you okay. think. Okay. Um, Paul Grant asked us about the minimum pricing. Ah, uh, yes, the nanny state at work. Um, well, I suppose I've kind of talked to a few people myself. I see this really. I I, I see this really as um, a lot of. The people who drink, say, the four-pack of Dutch gold, buy the Tesco value but vodka, they're the ones that are going to be detrimentally affected. Generally, that is the kind of lower end. Um, and if there is a minimum cost per unit of alcohol, it's going to push the cost of the cheap stuff up and should make the premium gap between a proper Irish beer made locally versus a mass-produced generic can of Heineken. So like if a can of Heineken is two twenty minimum price and a bottle of local beer is two seventy nine or two ninety nine in the local off license, that premium is not as much as, as it was previously where it might have been one fifty for the can of Heineken or whatever versus nearly three you see you, you, consumers are so price focused that they'll be looking at it going, oh the cost. Like it's all well and good, you and I, we love our proper beers. We love drinking different beers from around the world, around the country, and and tasting everything. But consumers in in themselves are most sensitive to price. I think, in my own opinion, they haven't really published the figures yet, but the things that have been thrown around, you're going to look at a minimum price for 4.2% beer of €1.80 for 500 mils. So it's going to make the premium between a small produced beer and a large produced beer smaller. It will probably... It'll disproportionately affect the less well-off in, in, in our country, but I suppose that's generally the way with these kind of taxations. They disproportionately affect those that aren't as well-off as ourselves. But the devil will always be in the detail. We'll know more when we when we see more, really. Hmm. Yeah, I suppose we'll just have to wait and see how that one pans out. Um, Deb asked us, will the, will the fall in fuel prices impact on the cost of craft beer? Now, I know you were talking to... Yeah, I talked to a couple of brewers about this. Um, as with beer, the highest input costs are the ingredients, the labour, and the energy costs in producing the beer. So if they're using gas or electricity to heat the kettle, um, that's going to be their biggest cost. Um, at the end of the day, those costs are quite high. As Anyone who has gas or electricity in the home will know that those costs are quite high. It's great to see the cost of petrol come down a bit, um, but I think from the guys I've talked to, per if you were delivering maybe 20 kegs into Dublin, that the cost per keg from the round trip, including the petrol, may work out between 2, 3, maybe 4 cent per pint, 
but the biggest input cost would actually be the cost of the energy like electricity or gas to actually heat the water to brew the the beer um more than anything else obviously it the price of oil in general has greater knock-on effects in the sense of um lower oil costs means generally lower logistics costs so you'll see everything else beginning to fall in price um that doesn't have such high input costs like fruit and things because it's less to, it's less costly to deliver um, those things but I don't think it will have a massive impact if en- energy prices start coming down then we may see those efficiencies being passed on but again you know I wouldn't begrudge any business the opportunity of you know if there's a few cent a, a litre to be to be made for their own margin then I'd have no problem with that personally but that's just me I know other people might but at the end of the day, cheapest isn't always the best. Exactly. Well, I've often found that with the craft beer, I don't mind paying the higher price for it because I know that it's it's well made and it, there's no harsh chemicals or anything in it either. No. It, it, it's exactly four ingredients or maybe a couple of other ingredients if it's specialty beer. But I think more and more people are beginning to see, similarly to the, the, the food products in this country the wine the, the cheeses the, the 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 cooked meats like the salamis from gobine for example that they're seeing that the smaller artisanal size producers are really punching above their weight and we've really begun a, there's a food revolution going on as well as a craft beer revolution like we we see it regularly when we go down to sheridan's down in Carna ross what's going on there but you know i think those of us that are already converted understand the graft and craft that goes into brewing these beers. It's those that are on the other side of the fence looking at it going, I don't really get it. And I think that's up to people to educate their friends in a way that says, look, try it, see what you think. Ultimately, what was I like with cheese? Oh, you were a cheese phobe. Oh cheese my god, food. unbelievable. Cheese would give me nightmares. Yeah, you absolutely, you hated when I brought the stuff home, especially the real smelly, strong cheeses. But now look at you, you are going out there seeking them out now yourself, coming yeah. home with these mad blue cheeses as well. Yeah, I think when we were on our honeymoon and we went to Claridge's and the cheese tick cat went past <laughs> and there was that black cheese on it that was melting... I almost fainted. I was like, oh my God, that's horrible. <laughs> and that's all I wanted to do was but just get a load of cheese. I, I, I suppose like my beer tastes have evolved. But then you see... My cheese tastes have evolved. But that's like me. My beer tastes have evolved. Like, look what I started out on. Yes, some people aren't going to be too happy about it. But yes, I did start out on Blue Moon when I first went to Bruda. And a lot of people do. Um, I think... But you have to start somewhere. Exactly. And, you know, you've started there... Well, really, your start was really with Timothy Taylor Landlord. Well, yeah. But, but I couldn't really of, get that over here. No, well, you can get it over here, but it's exceptionally priced for, for a bottle of it, which it's not the same as having it on cast. No, totally different. But at the same time, I, I really love my my cheeses now as well. I think you'd, I think I shocked uh, a couple of people at Christmas there with the cheese board saying, I want the veiny piece. Yeah, I know. Um, But all of this talking about um, the the beers and the tastes and your your palate change and everything as well. Brian Condren asked us about the Lublin threshold creep. So what do you think about that, mate? For anyone who doesn't know what the Lublin threshold creep is, it's essentially the theory among beer geeks that 
or even sinus. I don't really know. I didn't really read too much into it. Is this nerd talk? Yeah, here comes the nerd piece. Um, that essentially, your tolerance for or your ability to detect hoppy flavors in your beer, it's it, you kind of become a bit immune to it. So a beer that you would have had your introduction to, like hoppy pale ales, like whether it be a Sierra Nevada pale ale or a Galway hooker, that your initial taste of that compared to what you were drinking before was a real revelation. But if you've started going on to other things, like say you've gone from Sierra Nevada pale ale to torpedo, I find it very hard to drink Sierra Nevada pale now because, because I like torpedo so much, because I like the hoppier beers. And is that the Lupulin th- shift? It may very well be. And, and thanks, Brian, very much for bringing this up because... We had this conversation on Friday night in Brewdock after you'd left, where I was saying that I think some breweries need to move with the times and produce beers that are more based on the styles that people want. Because I think while I've great respect for the traditions of some breweries, at the same time, I can't drink some of their beers anymore because I just don't find them enjoyable. I, I, it, it, it's a challenge for me. But that's me personally. I, I'm probably not alone in that. And people go, hey, don't pick on the other guys. At the end of the day, it's my opinion as a, as a beer drinker that I like to get something that will challenge my taste buds and say, right, what am I drinking here? What am I tasting? You know, while a lovely light blonde ale during the summer or something's really nice so you don't really want that hoppy bitterness. But, you know, if I'm drinking a pale ale, I do want to get at least more than a sense it was just a tea bag dipped for a minute and then <laughs> taken out. And, but that's just probably, I'm a walking case of the Lupulin Threshold here, Brian. If that's what your answer you want, you can. <laughs> I am I am a sufferer of the Lupulin threshold shift, but I'm the very same when it comes to curry. You know, I, I, I the same analogy applies. You don't start out drinking or eating vindaloo's. You oh, start I think out... I made that mistake one time when I first started um, eating Indian curries. I remember when I was much much younger, um, as a Saturday night treat, we got an Indian takeaway, and I think we ordered a vindaloo, and it came in the tinfoil box and it was pure red and oh my god my insides burned yeah you know and that's the thing it's like if i bring people out drinking with me that have maybe not drank craft beer before i'm not going to start them out on a torpedo by sierra nevada i'll start them out on something like a sierra nevada pale ale or even something less hoppy than that just to give them an idea like sam adams boston lager like you're seeing you're seeing that kind of, you know, the new wave versus the old wave in, in the sense of, like, the old old guard are still respected, but you're seeing newer people kind of saying, well, look, let's hop this up to... But at the same time, I really hate it when, when beers are made where they use the hops to hide the flaws in the beer because it's a really easy thing to do. You can make a mistake somewhere along the lines and just because there's so much hops in it, you most people won't it. notice it. Okay. But at the same time... A good made, well balanced beer. I'll enjoy drinking it all day long, um, as long as you know there's a bit of flavour to it that my palate can detect that hasn't been nuked to death by numerous hops at this stage. Oh, super taster you! <laughs> Wouldn't go that far. <laughs> um, okay, so that's fair enough. So then, um, Joe Galvin has asked us about old versus new breweries. Yeah, I think I think if we look at the states and we look at Ireland now. Ireland is a number of years behind the United States in terms of its development of, of the industry, but 
I think there's a lot of people that are beginning to look at the new guys and what they're doing. And is that because they've the bravery to do it in the sense of they've nothing to lose because we're on a buoyant path and they can try all these new things like making insane beers, well, not insane beers, but very different beers to what the the older guys would make. So do you think the older guys sometimes are maybe playing it safe, sticking to what they know and what they know works well? Well, there's playing it safe and then there's just being sensible. You know, they... The, 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 the older companies I'm thinking of have already got a customer. They've exactly. already got a market, so, so they are servicing that market. But the people who are in, the, you know, the, there's the beer drinker that will try everything, not be brand loyal. You know, I would describe myself as not brand loyal because I want to try as many different beers as I can, and I want to be excited by the beers I'm tasting. I will not be necessarily loyal to one brand. I will have... Reliable beers, I know I can drink and I will enjoy. Yeah, well, we all have our go-to. Yeah, beer. but at the same time, I don't think I don't think it's a case of playing it safe. I think it's a case of we've made these beers so well for so long that you know people are still drinking them. Generally, the people coming in, which is fine when the market is so small and there's so many people coming into the market to try it out. But you don't want to be overtaken by a new kid on the block either. You kind of, you know, you look at some breweries and see the risks they have taken in the sense of, you know, the styles of beer they've made, you know, double IPAs, a blackberry sour, no need, I'm talking about Galway Bay Brewery here, we're talking about New World Saisons, we're talking about beer styles plus a core range, I, I, I don't understand why there's not a little bit more experimentation or even collaboration, like why, why is there no collaboration here, it's another thing that totally bemuses me. But I will always have my respect for the people that came first to tra- blaze the trail, like the Galway Hookers, like Porterhouse, like Carlo Brewing. Carlo still try to make new stuff, so do Porterhouse as well. I think it, it's one of those things, and, and Galway Hooker do bring new beers, and I think they have an IPA coming out soon as well, which would be great because the, their pale ale, when you first had it, was good. And it's like I'm really looking forward to seeing something new from them. I've had the stout, which is good as well but it's just one of those things I think the new guys are just there's no fear they're just going for it they're just doing what they want brewing a beer because they want to brew beer because it's a beer they like tasting then the primary concern is not necessarily selling the beer it's because there's enough eager mouths out there to have a mouthful and say yeah I like that well no I don't but that's the way it goes I don't know what you think yourself what do you think like about the older breweries, like I, I know Porterhouse Red is one of your favourites. Yeah, Porterhouse Red is one of my favourites, but even with like the newer guys as well, I have enjoyed trying some of those new beers that were out there. And one of them that I was really, really looking forward to, and I couldn't actually wait till it, it hit the taps in Dublin, was Bow Bristles Wild Irish. Yeah, um, a, ve- a very exciting beer. Um, I know Dave was at the Meat Brewer thing with at Vanguard recently. But again, I love seeing the new guys take on the old styles. Like, look at Rascals and the Ginger Potter. Yeah, that's true. That's look gorgeous. at Black Stairs and their Fiery Potter made with habaneros. Like, it's there's people, there's tradition, and there's, you know, taking on a beer style and doing something very different with it. And that's, that's what you want to see. While you want to see the kind of respect towards the tradition, you want to see people smashing through the box and going, let's do something very different. 
let's make like let's make a red beer that tastes of the caramel that you'd expect, but have a real hoppy nose like Brewer. You know, it's you know it's not a traditional red ale. It's probably closer to an amber, but it's it's brewed in a style that's you know very much you know a popular drink. It's their biggest seller by far. Well, it will be exciting to see what they come up with this year. What new beers will be out there? Well, I'm looking forward to just anyone who brings out a new beer this year. It's my ambition to try every new beer this year. Oh, God, love us all. Um, so, on to our next beer of the evening, guys. We are going on to 12 Acres um, Pale Ale. We first came across this at our festival down in Port Leash, where the guys debuted. Yeah. Um, well, Paddy, um, Paddy, Paddy and, and the brothers and everyone who's all involved in 12 Acres, we kind of, I kind of got to talk to Paddy purely by accident on, I think it was on Twitter. Um, he sent, he sent a, t- a, a message to me just about hearing, I, th- I heard you're organising a festival down in, in Port Leash and Kavanagh's in Port Leash there. And I was kind of saying to him, Paddy, I'd be absolutely delighted to have you there if you're ready. Because I know they were still at the kind of, pilot phase of testing it out and yeah because they're actually they brewed this in collection isn't it they're from collection in in uh, leash but they're currently brewing the beer in cork nine white deer the same place that mountain man is brewed and nine white deer as well but it just came about by chance that our festival came at the perfect time for paddy and 12 acres to launch um it's a traditional pale ale uh, on american style American hops in there. I'm pretty sure there's a lot of the big C's in there as well. Now, what I really love about this beer, and I suppose we were really spoiled. We had it when it was kegged within a week, so it was ultra fresh. It was beautiful. And it's no surprise, on the night itself, it sold spades, bucket loads. In fact, they had to go out to Mary's and Egan's. Yeah, to stock up on bottles. And to take the bottles that they brought up earlier in the day. So, 12 Acres is a really great story behind the beer. It's a fantastic label. On the label is, I think it's Paddy's great-grandfather who bought the original 12 Acres field. So, they grow their own barley. It's all malted in um, a thigh. And that, that malt, malted barley and their, um, their own spring water is going to be used for brewing the beer when the brewery is up and running and that is an amazing farm to bottle story and you know traceability accountability it's amazing it's a great story and i'm really delighted for the lads and from talking to them again they are doing really well in their local area local pubs taking them in and you know you saw a picture on twitter there the other day when they made a delivery to egan's in port leash and i think there must have been about 20 or 30 cases of beer there. yeah and only one left on the counter <laughs> yeah so like it was great for them to launch our festival. Um, hopefully they'll be involved in other festivals with us and hopefully we'll be able to see them up, up in our neck of the woods a bit more in the future because that is a really refreshing beer. I can see that being in my summer barbecue stockpile. Yeah, definitely. Great smell. It's just, yeah, there's a beautiful aroma of it and even the colour of it is gorgeous. No, oh, it's got a lovely juiciness to it as well. Um, you know, and fair play to Paddy and the lads. And I know Paddy knows a I know the, a lot of the guys all know each other, but fair play to Paddy. Even when we were doing the uh, the interview in Midlands World War Three, it was all a bit interesting. But you know, it's just fantastic to see such a story where the barley from the field is being used in the beers themselves, and they've got control over everything in the sense of the barley's theirs, the water sauce is theirs as well. So it's all really good to see. Um, but yeah, 
great beer. Hopefully we'll see it up here a bit more. But, like, again, it's not unlike England. If they're all doing so well in the local areas, why not? You know, you want to be able to... Firstly, you want to sell the beer. And if you're going to get good support locally, then more power to you. Because I think I think it all has to start within that kind of 25 or 30 mile radius of your of your brewery in, in the sense of, um, you know, getting 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 in, in the pubs and getting sold. Yeah, well, I hope we get to see more of it up here. Are you, are you listening, Paddy? Are you listening? It's just delicious. I have a name of a few off-licenses that would be keen to, to stock you, I'm sure. Um, but I think O'Brien's actually off-licenses have taken and them then on, part so of me, part them. of me doesn't want to see it up here because it's like a, it's like a dirty little secret of ours. Hmm. <laughs> It's also an excuse to go back down to, to that neck of the woods Absolutely. for a few pints oh, or a yeah. night away. Absolutely. Yeah, um, great beer. Really solid beer, lads. Well done. So then, coming up, um, we have a nice few things to look forward to over the next few weeks. Yeah, catching um, up on sleep now for the next few weeks, yeah, days even. Starting with, the, what, how many days away now is Alltech? 27th of February. What are we now? The, the 9th? We're on the 8th, so we're still talking three weeks, excuse me. Okay. Um, more immediately of pre- of concern is our trip to Manchester this week. Oh, yeah. Whoopsie. <laughs> yeah, Don't so. bypass that one. <laughs> so for anyone who's around in Leeds or Manchester <clears throat> this Wednesday coming, we are having a flying visit into the UK. We're actually going to Old Trafford Wednesday evening to hopefully witness a better display than today's display against West Ham. Um, Man United versus Burnley. We're actually flying into Leeds because just typical Ryanair just jacked the flight prices right at the last minute. Um, and we're going to get the train from Leeds. So if anyone wants to do the, the Cross Pennine Express, have a few beers with us on the train over. I know we're hoping to meet a few guys. Uh, Tyler from Wharf Bank, hopefully. Um, Sam Parker as well. A uh, lot of the beers um, as well. is hopefully going to be around for a couple. But even if, you could, if you're in Manchester and you want to meet up and have a beer... We'll be around most of the day, um, the Wednesday and Thursday, because obviously we're not flying back till Thursday night. So Manchester's to look forward to. Then I think what else is after that? I think uh, obviously all tech. We've all tech and the Irish craft and the RDS. Yeah, Irish crafts and whiskey in the RDS. Interesting, I suppose all tech is the third year of all tech. So it'll be interesting to see what differences are this year versus last year because I know they got some feedback about the food and those kind of things. Oh, but yeah. from what I gather this year is a lot more of a foodie presence as well. So hopefully you'll be able to kind of chow down on some decent food while drinking some great beers. Um, might have to rustle up a batch of brownies for this one. Yeah, you might have to rustle up a few batches of brownies. Um, then the Whiskey Fest, Irish Beer and Whiskey Festival has moved out to Addy S. It was... Last year in Customs House Key, mm-hmm. um, I, I, I don't really know. I, I think it's a good idea to move out to the RDS, but at the same time, will a lot of people go off to get a bus out? You know, I'll probably still go out and have a gander one of the days anyway after work maybe, but I just, I don't know, it's, it's a bit... It's a bit far out, but hope, hopefully it'll be well well supported by the t- like because obviously the amount of tourists that come into Ireland at that time. Paddy's weekend is it? It's on for a week over Paddy's. <coughs> a week. Like, Paddy's day is on a Tuesday, so I think it starts on a Friday or Saturday beforehand and runs to the Saturday of the week after. So like it's running for a long time now. Obviously, we'll have to wait and see. Um, we'll hopefully, or even is it the week up to Paddy's day and I then think it's, it's the yeah, day I after? But I'm not sure of the dates, but they're. they're 
their details are all available on the website. We'll have some some information there in the show notes when this all goes up as well. Um, but yeah, like you know, for the first quarter and then up to obviously next weekend. We're actually missing the Franciscan Well Cask Fest, Cascade. Oh, yeah, God, we're missing that which one. Which is a real, so real pity. Fun last year. That was so much fun last year. Yeah, and it'd be great to see, you know, it's always it's always a good laugh. There's always a good number of brewers down there having a few beers, having a bit. It's really laid back and really fun. Cork's a great city to go out. I love going down to Cork as well. It's, you know, it's not as far away as. Yeah, as it sure, used we to might be. get down there later on in the year, hopefully. Yeah, fingers crossed. So what do we have next on the agenda, Gaffer? Next on the agenda... Well, during the week we went to do the brewery tour by um, Sweetman's. That was fun. Yes. JW Sweetman's is Dublin's only craft brew pub. Mm-hmm. So they brew all their own beer on site. Um, it was really interesting to actually see the, the brewery operation itself. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, it's actually really small. I had absolutely no idea it was so tiny. Yeah, but it can kind of give you the... the it can, it can really show you how small a space you can operate ah. a small brewery in. And it also highlights to me that I'm amazed that one or two more opportunistic publicans have not latched on and said, well, let's have a small brewery in the back here. I know there's a lot of red tape involved, but as a publican, you're already dealing with a lot of red tape anyway. But, you know, it's it's a really nice tour, uh, very informal, very relaxed you get a good sampling of the the range of beer. Yeah, and some good we actually well. had quite a few beers there as well. It started off with the their vice beer, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was vice. When vice blonde red, it was a red, and then porter, and then we finished off with the pale ale. Yes. So out of yours, um, out of what you experienced, which one was your favourite one? Well, I really enjoyed the porter. Um, it was really nice when it warmed up. I've always loved the pale ale in there. Um, it's always been a really solid pale ale. Um, obviously, some of the seasonals they've done over the last while, the intergalactic amber ale with that Galaxy Hops, unbelievable yeah, beer. Really but again, you know, the, it's it's a really good, non, not a difficult introduction to proper beer. It's like a real, you know, laid back affair. You get a taster of the five main beers and you can kind of say, well, yeah, this is what I like. And, you know, the Blonde Ale is a very easy crossover beer from anyone who drinks mainstream lagers. The Porter is obviously, it's it's full of flavour. It's, you know, going back to what probably Arthur Guinness's stout tasted like 150 years ago. Well, I, could, I really like the Vice beer, actually. And, uh, of course, the, the red the red one. Yeah. No, no surprises there, eh? <laughs> no. Um, they do offer a solid range of beers, but, you know, the fact of where they are, four floors, five floors of of bars right on the keys in Dublin City Centre is absolutely mm. massive, massive pub. But great hospitality by the guys. I mean, like, they're so enthusiastic. The staff there are so enthusiastic about the craft beer. Um, do you know, it's a really, really, it's a really good experience. Yeah, and they they have details on their website about how often they run the tours. I think ours was the first tour they ran in twenty fifteen. Um, so like they usually don't do it. I think once every once a week maybe or once every couple of weeks. But the idea being that you book in in advance and then you go in and you have a few beers and a bit of bit of fun and a bit of crack. Um, you know, really really good pub, solid location. Got a good brewer working down there, and you know it really does help that they have the ability to make their own beers on site and, and sell them through the, the pub as well. 
And I think, is that pretty much it, or I is there anything else? I think that's pretty much it, apart from we started off this year, actually, our first outing this year was Vanguard's Meet the Brewer, wasn't it? Mm. Well, yeah, um, James and Julie kindly invited us to a Meet the Brewer event over in 57 The Headline. And that was actually only my uh, second time ever actually in 57 The Headline, which I'm ashamed to say. Yeah, same but as that. Same uh, first time upstairs, actually. And it's a really, really nice venue. Yeah, it'd be a nice place for a party or a small gathering of people. Um, you know, it's Jeff's done great work out there since he's taken over the place and and his wife with the upstairs now it's a fully fledged restaurant and Eric and that's Eric Halleck Eric, Eric Halleck works there from Bruce who play at fame so it's it's really good to see uh, you know in an area that people would have probably gone what the hell are you doing have you lost your mind when when people were finding out that he's over going out to open the headline in, in Dublin's Dublin 8 um, but, but it's such a lovely it's such a lovely bar it's very very comfortable they've got so many taps of wonderful craft beers to choose from. Yeah, and all the taps are Irish. All of them? Yeah, they don't have any any non-Irish on draft. It's all Irish craft beer and cider on draft. So you can get international beers there, in but bottles. they're in bottles. Everything's right. on draft. Now, that may have changed, and I'm sure will be corrected soon enough, but I'm pretty sure from looking at the taps there, um, it was all Irish taps, which... You know, fantastic supporters of Irish breweries, which is what you want to see. Yeah, so anyway, we were there for the Vanguard Collective Meet the Brewery event in yeah. January. Um, and that's where we actually got to um, meet... Loads um, of the brewers from... Bo Bristol. Well, catch up with Bo Bristol, not meet them. Hmm. <laughs> Hi, try, Dave. You, you try, try catching a bar. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, like, I suppose Vanguard um, got together all the breweries that they distribute for, um, and some of their clients came along. Um, so, like, obviously some of the pubs and things that they supply came along. Um, but, you know, Marcus from Real Deal was there, Dave from Bo Bristle, Sarah from N17, obviously Richard from um, Black Donkey. Um, with the sheep stealer, tempted um, cider was there. Yeah, we got to meet Seamus and the gang from Brehan Brewhouse, which aren't that far away from us either, up just in Monaghan there. Oh, and their fabulous Kilrani red. Yeah, oh great my beer. god, that was just gorgeous. I, anyone who knows me, red ale's my mum. I, oh, I really enjoyed that red give ale. Give me more. Um, so I think Phil's their brewer now. We've obviously been invited up to have a look around there their brewery someday and we must really get to that but it was a great event and that's where I had my first taste of the Wild Irish by Dave and Bubris and I really enjoyed it. did you think of it? I really enjoyed it I think I think it'd be a great beer in the summer um, again it's one of those that you can it's light enough beer about 4% um, you know slightly bittered with bittering hops but the rest is all like foraged ingredients to give it that bittering and sweetness a bit as well such a brilliant idea Great idea, but it's also something that no other Irish brewery really has done. Partnering up with a local food producer for mm. an ingredient for their beer. Um, you know, it's, it's just fantastic to see that. And I'm sure we'll see it again towards the summertime. So I think it's just one of those beers that would be absolutely superb. Hot sunny day. Gorgeous with a barbecue. Barbecue or on a boat going down the Shannon. Or hint, even, hint, hint, Dave. Hint, Dave. Are we going to do that boat beer anytime soon? 
Um, so it'll be like an episode of Brew Dogs. We'll be brewing beer on a boat on a Shannon. Like. <laughs> but um, God love the Shannon. <laughs> it, it's really one of those things where we um, we're, we're delighted to be asked along. And thanks very much for having us. And it was great to meet a lot of friendly faces mm. um, and to have beer with these friendly faces and engage in drunken conversation with these friendly faces. So to close out our first episode, we're going to drink um, Kinnegar's Black Bucket. Kinnegar Black Bucket, yeah. For anyone who doesn't know, it's a black rye IPA. Anyone who listened to the podcast the other night with the Beer Clock Show will know that I rated this very highly. It's one of the best beers I've had in in the last month or so. Comfortably a great beer. Um, you know, Rick up in, in Kinnegar has done some really solid beers. Even the standard Rust Bucket is a great rye ale. Um, and Devil's Backbone, is that the Amber one, I think, as well, that I really like. But I must say, the Black Bucket just is the next level for me. Very limited release, special edition. Um, hopefully he makes more of it. Um, anyone who likes a Black IPA will really like it. Um, but at the same time, it's something I've got a case of it kept by for me somewhere locally. Um, but I really enjoyed it. Now, what do you think, Janice? Not for me. Not your taste, no. There's just something in it that makes me pull my stout face. <laughs> Janice's stout face, that's not good. Well, that's well, it's not good, but it's good for me. It means more for me. All yours. All yours give me all the red ale. Oh, no, that's lovely. Um, but each to their own. I think it's it's very, it's very similar people. to Black Betty for me by Beavertown. I don't like Black Betty either. Ah uh, well, you see, I suppose that's it. But really, that's all we've kind of got. Like obviously, coming up in the future, we have obviously the few things we've covered off, kind of what we've done in the, in, the, in the last little while. We are hoping to make our podcast a little bit more regular, so. We don't really want to be leaving it any more than two to three weeks yes. between episodes. So don't be afraid to get in touch. Ask us to cover stuff. Get in touch with ideas. Yeah. So we want it to be a little bit more interactive with our listeners as well. Yeah, like if, if there's anything you, you think, like we, we'll probably try to do a couple of interviews with, with some people and see what we can do. But obviously, you know, it's we're kind of learning all the time. We're only episode six here, really. Um, but yeah, no, like if there's anything you want us to cover, just drop us a, a tweet or an email. So And it, you'll find me at Mrs. Beer Snob. Yep, at Irish Beer Snob, which is me. Um, and our website, www.irishbeersnob.com. Obviously, yep. And then we're also on Facebook, Irish Beer Snob. We're also on Instagram, Irish Beer Snob. Also on Untapped, Irish Beer Snob. So like pretty much anything that's social media, it's Irish Beer Snob. But yeah, hit us up any way you want. Um, obviously thanks very much for those that have listened and those that sent in the questions um, thanks very much to the three breweries we had the beers by tonight um, I loved all three two I loved two and as Meatloaf says two out of three ain't bad um, at the end of the day you're not going to it's not going to be to everyone's taste all the time um, but no we had a great night great fun doing the podcast this evening and if you have anything drop us a line cheers guys The Irish Craft Beer subreddit is the best way to keep pace with all the latest news, views, reviews and interviews related to the Irish Craft Beer scene. Check out the subreddit at www.reddit.com forward slash r forward slash Irish Craft Beer and join the revolution.